You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. PackersTalk.com. You're listening to No Huddle Radio on the Packers Talk Radio Network, your home for in-depth and thoughtful Packers analysis. I'm your host, JJ Leahy. My co-host is my good friend, Gil Martin. In addition to this show, I host Cheese and Packers, and Gil is the host of Locked On NHL. He also writes for the Packers Post and Cheesehead TV. We're here to talk Packers because you're all here for one thing, and that's a love for Green Bay football. Folks, try the text at 231-714-4195. Send us an email at asknohuddle at gmail.com. Now is the time of year where if you have questions about this roster or about scheme, send them our way. We would love to uh, have some research projects to dive into for you. Um, We are uh, facing a stretch of the season where there's like nothing going on. And so this is the time of year where we like to do deep dives on. Excuse me. Just swallowed my tongue. Uh, deep dives on interesting projects. So if you have some burning questions, send them our way. Uh, today, uh, I guess before we get into our main topic, we do have dates for training camp. So uh, let me see here. Training camp begins July 27th. However, the rookies are going to be there a few days earlier. Yep. Um, rookies. Uh, July 22nd is when the rookies report. Uh, and then, so looking at that date, July 27th, we're getting real close to the time when my child might be born in which case, uh, Gil might be flying solo for a week or so, uh, depending on the situation, we'll see how things go. Uh, but you got, uh, training camps, you got preseason games. We have our, our first practice, like I said, is July 27th, but family night is August 5th. And so then practices, the the open to the public practices are going to run through August 17th. And uh, baby had darn well better be here by August 17th or we have a problem. Yeah. Uh, So and then we have our our, uh, joint practice with the Chiefs. That's going to be not the Chiefs, the Saints. Saints. The Saints. Yep. We have a preseason game versus the Saints preseason game versus the 49ers and preseason game versus Kansas City. So uh, that would be August 19th. Actually, you know what? This article lists the three out of date, out of order. So the Niners game is the first game of that stretch. It's August 12th. And then Saints is uh, August 19th. Chiefs is the final one, August 25th. And then finally, blessedly, we get into the regular season with real football. Put the pads on, smash into some people, have a lot of questions about this roster answered. Between now and then, we're going to try and answer some of those questions. And the question we're going to tackle starting today, wide receiver. What are our projections and predictions for how this is going to shake out? And what would a successful season for these wide receivers look like? So one of the questions that I wanted to tackle is uh, rolling back to previous years when we have had a transition with a new wide receiver one. So the most recent time that that happened would have been the uh, 2017 season when uh, Devonte Adams took over for Jordy Nelson. The interesting thing there, of course, is that Jordy was still here as was Randall Cobb, but this is the first time that Devonte led the team in receptions. He only had 74 receptions for comparison. Last year, he had 123 and actually for the last several years, he has just about doubled the number of receptions that the second receiver on the team has had. And Gil, off the top of your head, behind Devontae Adams, who was the next most targeted player, the next most targeted and, and uh, next most receptions. It's the same person, but who do you think it was? Aaron Jones. It was indeed Aaron Jones. So Devontae had 123 receptions. Aaron Jones had 52 receptions. Al Lazard was the third receiver on the team with 40 receptions. After that, who do you think was next? Uh, MVS. AJ Dillon, 34 receptions. Wow. Randall Cobb is after that at 28 receptions. 
Marquez Valdez Scantling only had 26 receptions last year, if you can believe it. 430 yards. Uh, so he had uh, more yards than anybody of that whole group, except for Alan Lazard, who had 513 yards. But Aaron Jones had 52 receptions, only 391 yards. MBS had 40 more yards in about half the receptions, actually exactly half the receptions. So mm -hmm. not, it's not surprising there at all because he was, uh, you know, certainly a, a deep threat after MVS last year, we got two tight ends, Josiah DeGuaro with 25 receptions and Mercedes Lewis with 23 receptions. Tunyon barely played any of the season, but he did manage to rack up in the five games that he played. Um, 18 receptions. So not five games he played, but why did it say eight? Eight games. He, I thought he it played was. eight whole eight whole games. I thought he only played five. All right. No, eight no, games was, that Tunyon played. He was hurt in the uh, Arizona game. Yeah, he was. That was a crazy game. It was. We lost Kylan Hill and Tunyon in the same game. Man. Totally wild. And now you know, now we're we're thinking both those two guys might start on the pup list. I mean, I don't yeah. think either one of them are, are practicing yet. No, I, I'm certainly uh, a lot more questions as to whether they'll be ready opening day. No question about that. Thank you to our sponsor, Athletic Greens. We recently introduced their new health supplement, AG1, for those of you who like to take care of your bodies. AG1 is a delicious scoop of uh, 70, 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food-sourced superfoods, probiotics to help you start your day off right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. All the things. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. And just think, if Gil Martin uh, hadn't been taking care of his health using products like AG1 all these years, how in the world would he be able to keep up with young me at his old age? So all you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash emerging. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash emerging to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. And I'm not joking about Gil, by the way. Half the time when we do our podcast, um, he turns on his webcam and I can see that he is drenched because he just got out of the pool. Gil takes his health very seriously. He works out every day. Um, I aspire to still be as functional when I'm geriatric uh, as, as he is. Um, but uh, you know what? You would you would never know just by looking at him that he uh, was got to watch the very first Packers game ever played, uh, got to cover it. You know, they didn't have websites like Cheesehead TV back then. But, uh, you know, Gil was a pioneer. All right. I'm going to quick pick on Gil. Check it out. Athleticgreens.com. It's a foundational nutrition for just about everyone. 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food source nutrients in just one tasty scoop. And don't forget, athleticgreens.com forward slash emerging. That's how you get your free one-year supply and five free travel packs. Let's roll back to the last time we won the Super Bowl. Wide receiver one was Greg Jennings. He had 76 receptions, so a significantly lower number than... Devonta Adams had last year. Donald driver was number two with 51 receptions. That is a slight better than the next receiver. We had last year. Alan Lazard with only 40 receptions. Uh, and then James Jones was one reception behind Donald driver. He had 50. So uh, wide receivers two and three combined for 101 receptions. Wide receiver one had 76 receptions. You compare what we had last year. Our wide receiver two and three, you had um, 68 receptions compared to Devontae's 123. So super, super lopsided. Um, I think last year is kind of the first year um, in the Matt LaFleur era where the criticism of the wide receiver core, I think, really is justified. Outside of Devontae, the rest of the group really was totally subpar last year 
You just didn't get much of any kind of contributions from Lazard, Cobb, MVS, and EQ, who is the next highest targeted receiver. Those guys, basically you had one star and then a bunch of role players. And when you add injuries, COVID, and the fact that a lot of those guys did not have the trust of Aaron Rodgers over the course of the season, you get that very limited uh, productivity. Now, I mean, again, Lazard was a possession receiver who converted on third down often, but again, you know, he wasn't the go-to guy, not even close. And I think, you know, it's interesting that you were comparing 2010 and you look at how many times, uh, you know, the way that they spread the ball around in 2010 compared to what we saw last year, where there was just, you know, uh, one guy, and then a lot of question marks. So mm-hmm. the contrast is glaring when you look at it. It is. Um, I one, one of the things that I think covered up and masked a lot of the issues that they had last year was that they were getting so much contribution from non-wide receivers. You know, both of the running backs were heavily involved. I think you sh- certainly should expect that this year as well. Um, and uh, the tight ends. I, you know what we I have talked uh, on this podcast to an extent about my concern about the tight end room this year uh, just in terms of I they, they don't feel like they have that traditional wide tight end who can you know be a possession receiver maybe DeGuara can be that mm-hmm. they really leaned on Mercedes a lot last year which is just not how he's typically been used and uh, unfortunately, the last time we saw him on the, uh, you know, out there involved in the offense, uh, he he fumbles the ball against the 49ers. And then I think they sat him after that. Yeah. I think that I think they pulled him from the game. I don't know if he went back in later, but certainly for a while he was pulled from the game, which I, I didn't like. No, and neither did he. But uh and, and, you know, you, you heard him say at OTAs that that fumble has sort of haunted him throughout the offseason, and, and understandably so. I think it was the first time he had fumbled in, what, like eight or nine seasons, maybe more. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, you, you have, realistically, you have possession receivers in DeGuara and Lewis, and... You know, Dominique Daphne is more of a blocker than he is a receiver. And I guess Tyler Davis is sort of the wild card. Yeah, I, 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 <clears throat> there certainly is a Tyler Davis discussion that needs to be had. But I think I'd like to wait until training camp and we can kind of see with our own eyes a little bit more of Tyler Davis. Because right now, all of the podcasters and writers out there are just raving about Tyler Davis. And I just feel like it's it's too premature that we just have not it's it's all based on like a couple of comments from coaches and and that's it and and one good catch in a game last year which you know was a fun catch but i mean jake kubro had great catches darius shepherd had a great catch in practice uh uh, geronimo allison had that fantastic catch um against uh the bears in week one 2018 stuff like that so just um I guess I'm pumping the brakes a bit. I'm Tyler Davis, not doubting him. I'm just saying I need to see something before I feel equipped to talk about him. But let's rewind the clock, Gil, to 1995. This is the year year. that it was a fantastic year because this is the year I was born. (laughs) One of the the best things that's ever happened to this world. Um, (sighs) Something else happened that year, though. That Packers team went on to win the Super Bowl. No, they went to the NFC Championship game. The... 95 team 96 uh, they won yes the Super the, Bowl. yes yes the 96 team won the super bowl when i was one right. but in 19, 1995 there was a transition from sterling sharp who uh injured his neck uh in 94 was forced into an early retirement tragically 95 you go into that season in a similar 
state as to what we are in right now, where you don't have your wide receiver one. And uh, big thank you to uh, Pack Daddy for noticing what happened this season and, and calling it to attention. He did a fantastic podcast, really going to, into deeper detail about this season. But I think it's worth bringing up here as well. 1994, your top three receivers. You had Sterling Sharp had 94 receptions. Edgar Bennett, fullback, had 78 receptions. Robert Brooks had 58 receptions. Mm-hmm. It's kind of your Alan Lazard type. Right. 1995, Robert Brooks leads the team in receptions with 102, which is actually more than Sterling Sharp had had the previous year. And that was a darn good offense. And then uh, the following year, 1996 team, um, that team, uh, let's see here, Robert Brooks gets got hurt. injured. Yep. yep. He only got to play seven games. So it was like, all right, we had found our solution to what the heck are we going to do without Sterling Sharp? And then he gets injured, only gets to play seven games. There were a lot of injuries at receiver that year in 96. A lot of injuries. Take take us through that season because you lived through it. Yeah, I know. I remember it well. Uh, The the offense was absolutely cruising along. And then Brooks got hurt. Antonio Freeman got hurt. And if you remember, uh, or fans remember, because I know you were uh, one, (laughs) but uh, basically – the Packers went 13 and three that season went through a mid season slump in uh, where they lost back to back games to the chiefs and the Cowboys. But at that point, your receivers were Derek Mays uh, was one of the big uh, re- receivers who was still healthy at that point. Cause Freeman was injured and, uh, Terry Mickens was another one of the receivers. Don Beebe was also there. Uh, but but your, your main starters were gone, and that's why they ended up bringing in uh, Andre Risen for mm-hmm. the stretch drive because of all those injuries. Freeman did come back and was healthy for the playoffs, which was a big boost. And, you know, if I recall correctly, uh, Mark Chamura was also hurt, the starting tight end during that stretch. So you, you really had a depleted set of targets for Brett Favre. The offense did sputter for two or three weeks. Then people started getting healthy. They added rise and he sort of found a, a little bit of a niche in the offense and they were able to fire on all cylinders again, come playoff time. Yeah. One thing that sticks out to me is that Antonio Freeman led the team in receptions. Um, but his, uh, reception rate was or his catch rate was really low. He was targeted 107 times and hauled in 56 receptions. And if you, you know, if you look at obviously, it was a bit of a different era. You're talking about the mid 90s, but um, you know, I, I just read off the stats for 95 and 94, and you have the leading receiver is still right around 100 receptions, which is pretty similar to what we're seeing today. The fact that in 96, your leading receiver had 56 receptions is a drastic difference from the previous two years. And uh, you're, you're right that they did spread the ball around. Andre Risen, of course, um, played five games for the Packers that year. He only had 13 receptions. Obviously, they certainly mattered a lot, and he was able to rack up 135 yards. But still, um, you know, he, he even he did not get – a ton of attention um, in the receiving game. No, no. Uh, and, and look, you know, he, you sign him off the street as a free agent in the middle of the season. And obviously he needs time to learn the playbook and, and integrate himself into the offense. But, you know, the key when you, you talk about the uh, wide receiving room that year, you started the season with Freeman and Brooks as your top two. Brooks gets hurt. Early on in the year, he only plays seven games. Freeman misses four games. Uh, Chimura, the tight end, misses three games. Uh, Derek Mays plays only seven games. Ryzen plays five. Terry Mickens plays eight. Injuries really had a lot to do with why nobody was sort of bowling you over statistically. And you had a, 
you know, the leading receiver with 56 catches. Yeah. Let's talk about the, the guys that we have this year and um, who can fill what role. Let's start the conversation with Al Lazard. So Gil last year, Lazard had just 40 receptions, 513 yards. Let's talk about perception for a second. Uh, your perception of Alan Lazard is 40 receptions, a down year for him. And this is, I, I'm not, uh, not trying to put you on the spot here, but I'm asking you to speak for just the common fan is 40 receptions, a down year for Alan Lazard. No, uh, in fact, it was his career high. So I don't see how you could say it was a down <laughs> year for, for Lazard. Uh, the the whole point is that, you know, you look at the career arc of Lazard. Packers mm-hmm. sign him late in 2018. He plays in one game, has one catch. Comes yeah. back 2019, starts three games, 35 catches. Misses time in 2020 with injuries. He had the core, uh, you know, muscle injury yeah, after the big game games. against the Saints. Right. So he misses six games goes down to 33 catches, and then this past year misses two games but has a career-high 40. Look, to me, that Lazard has been trending upward when you look at his numbers. Um, he is a reliable possession receiver who will give you he'll, – he'll, I think his biggest strength, quite honestly, is turning third and six into first and ten. Uh, he'll go over the middle, use his size. He's, he runs precise routes. He's got above average hands and yep. he's earned the trust of Aaron Rodgers. So I think overall uh, the question becomes, you know, what is he going to do when opposing defenses are not paying attention to Devonte Adams on the opposite side of him? Sure. And that I think coming into this season becomes the biggest question surrounding Alan Lazard. Well, you mentioned the Saints game already. Let's revisit that game. So the final score of that game was 37-30. Obviously, Lazard got hurt uh, toward the end of that game. Um, But he was wide receiver one that day. He was magnificent. Targeted eight times, hauled in six receptions, 146 yards. He only had one touchdown. But he had a 24-yard average per reception. and. I will just point out to you that the Saints are a team who has a really good defense. He was the number one receiver that day. I think that he used his size very effectively and, and also showed off his speed. Uh, the dude was getting down the field in a hurry, uh, something you really like to see. Um, I think that, uh, you know, it's six foot five, 227 pounds. There's no question about physically can he do the job. And I think that he's smart. I think that his his um, chemistry that he's built up with Rodgers should uh, help him a lot. I think that currently he it would be my leading candidate for wide receiver one on the team. I think it just for anybody else to overtake him and there not be injury involved with Alan Lazard would to me say that somebody else really broke out and impressed big time. Yeah, I, I would say he is the favorite to be wide receiver one, especially early on in the season, whether or not some of the rookies can come on and make a bigger impact later in the season or come playoff time. That remains to be seen. But I, I think that Lazard is the favorite to be wide receiver one when the season gets underway. Um, let's talk about Sammy Watkins and what sort of role he can play in this offense, one of the things that you'll really like with Sammy Watkins and, and um, uh, his, his speed is uh, something that I I think is really going to be important for this team. And obviously Christian Watson is a guy that you're hoping can um, contribute uh, in terms of being a speedy receiver and get down the field, stretch the field like that. But Sammy Watkins maybe is a, a trusted vet who is going to be able to do that as well. Uh, looking at what he's done over the last few years, the the biggest cri- criticism of Sammy Watkins and the thing that uh, Packers social media freaks out about is the number of games that he's missed. And he has missed several games over the last few years, but 
over the last five years, he has played in double digit games every single year. Uh, 2018 and 2020, he's only able to play 10 games a piece, but, uh, the other three years, uh, he had, uh, 15 games, uh, 14 games and 13 games. I think that's still enough. I think that's comparable to what we were getting out of Devonte Adams and, and out of MVS. I mean, MVS and Devonte Adams and the Lazard have missed time over the last, uh, three years. And, you know, last year we even missed Randall Cobb for a, a long stretch toward the end of the season as well. Didn't we, um, looking at, uh, what Watkins did last year with Baltimore, he had uh, just 27 receptions and just a hair under 400 yards, but he was decently productive, 14 yards per catch. He had just one touchdown, uh, but he did haul in 17 first downs, which I think is important. Um, long of 49 yards, uh, targeted 49 times, hauled in 27 catches. You know, and that that was an erratic offense. I think there were, you know, there was a lot of criticism around um, the way that Lamar Jackson played last year, as opposed to the previous couple of years. Uh, just didn't didn't look like himself. The offense looked out of sorts a lot last year in Baltimore, and you know, one of the things that you would have liked to have seen from Sammy last year is that there was not really competition there on the Ravens roster, you know, Hollywood Brown is, is uh, just an okay player. And Rashad Bateman was, was still a rookie. I think that you really would have liked to see him step up and grab more of a lion's share of those uh, targets last year. And that is something that uh, I, I think it was underwhelming, but I think this year he comes into things with a bit of a different attitude and recognizes that he really does need to ball out in order to have another chance to play in the National Football League. So I think that chip is maybe something that we, you know, see materialize on the field. There is no doubt he is aware that this is sort of a make or break season. He's not a young kid anymore. Uh, you know, he is approaching that magic 3-0 he'll he'll be 30 next off season and he's on a one-year deal so if he doesn't have a productive season you know he may not get many invitations to training camps next year and if he does he'll probably be playing at or near the veteran minimum if he essentially comes out this year and is very productive with Aaron Rodgers as his quarterback that opens up the door for him to get a big contract possibly next year, a multi-year contract for a decent amount of money. And obviously, whether that's with Green Bay or somewhere else, essentially he signed a one-year prove-it deal and bet on himself. I think one one of the things, you know, the comparisons to make is between Randall Cobb last year and Sammy Watkins. Because if you're think if you're looking at the numbers that I just read to you for Sammy Watkins and thinking, man, that's not very much. It's very similar to Al Lazard's numbers, very similar to MBS's numbers. I think it's the most similar to Randall Cobb's numbers. So Randall Cobb targeted 39 times, had 28 receptions, 375 yards, 13 yards per reception. He did have five touchdowns, uh, which I think speaks to the trust that Rodgers has for him, that he's looking for him in the end zone. I think that's a thing. Um, But, you know, if you're you're trying to replace MBS, I think you could do a lot worse than – than Sammy Watkins. Yeah. Uh, the other two, the other, the other uh, three guys, I think that you have to include in this conversation, Amari Rogers, Christian Watson, and Romeo Dobbs as well. Am I, am I leaving anybody off? Who's, who's really key? No, I don't think so. So I think one thing with Amari Rogers, everybody really wants to write him off quickly because he didn't get on the field much um, on offense last year. And I, I just would say that there last year was such a weird off season and, and, and his job was given away right before the season began to Randall Cobb. I, I just would pump the brakes on freaking out about Amari Rogers, you know, just, uh, I, I think that there may be a role for him in the, and um, uh, what's his name? Jason Vrabel, the wide receivers coach was talking about 
expectations for Amari and really, you know, they want to hold him to a higher standard. Um, and that, uh, you know, it wasn't all just, um, uh, you know, having Randall in front of him that was uh, holding him down. Here's a quote from Rabel. He said, he's talking about Amari. He said, it's your job to beat Randall out or to beat our Z out, which, you know, was MVS for most of the year. Even though he plays slot, I've got him working out at Z and he's done that before. His performance just wasn't on their level. So Jason Vrabel does have uh, higher expectations um, of Amari than what they saw from him last year. You wrote an interesting article on Cheesehead TV talking about uh, Amari's disappointing season and the fact that he only played 10% of the total offensive snaps for the Packers, which most of those came when Jordan Love was on the field. He, he really right. didn't even get much playing time with uh, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, and look, uh, realistically, um, he had to earn that playing time. I think what happened, in, in it was a couple of factors with Amari Rodgers. Number one, obviously, there is always the adjustment between college and the NFL. Yep. Number two, and I, I don't think this can be ignored, the idea of having to win Aaron Rodgers trust traditionally young and rookie wide receivers have struggled in that regard. It takes a while to build that up. But number three, and I think this is more specific to Amari Rodgers, he probably bulked up a little bit too much last year in Mm. preparation for what he thought he needed to do to play in the NFL against bigger, stronger, faster uh, defenders And I think it cost him some of his burst, some of his quickness, and some of his speed. And those three things were big factors in his success in college. So I think all of those things, plus the fact that Cobb started the season ahead of him on the depth chart uh, and took away his role, uh, you add all of that up, and that's why you had such a disappointing season. Now, the the good thing about Amari Rodgers, he looks good quicker and he took off some of that bulk during the offseason seems to be more prepared to to use his quickness and his speed and his burst this year and that's going to be important to getting his confidence back and yeah. gaining the confidence of the coaching staff yeah well said uh i, I think um with i think this is a good time to buy low on amari rogers i i think that uh he Number one, I, I think that you can give a guy until year three to show something. If he's not showing something year one, year two, I think that's okay. Randall Cobb uh, did break out in his second year, but famously, Devontae Adams didn't break out until his third year. Um, so, you know, in, in, in and Devontae Adams, not only did he not break out until year three, but he looks terrible in year two. Absolutely terrible. So... Um, I think it's a good time to buy low on Amari Rodgers. And I wouldn't be surprised if he really can carve out a good role on offense here. You know, and I I look at all the receptions that went last year to Aaron Jones. I wouldn't be surprised if some of those start going to Amari Rodgers. And obviously we think that Aaron Jones is going to be a huge factor in the receiving game as well. But Anything that Aaron Jones can do, Amari Rodgers can do. They're they're very similar build, very similar strengths. Uh, you know, I, I think we're expecting to see Amari used a bit out of the backfield. You know, when, if, if he's being uh, utilized uh, in the offense and they're able to be creative with him. Mm-hmm. Well, look, I, remember, I, I, remember what Randall Cobb did earlier in his career when he was in his prime. He came out of the backfield. He even carried the ball out of the backfield a few times. Yep. So I, I I could totally see Amari Rogers getting those kind of plays uh, created for him, schemed up for him, if he shows that he's ready for it. I want to make another comparison uh, before we move on to our next guy. Uh, I want to talk about the 2019 Buffalo Bills. So this is the year before Josh Allen really broke out, but he he was starting to look a little better in 2019. So 2020 is when they get him Stefan Diggs. But uh but 2019 
His receivers were John Brown, who I think is not in the NFL right now. He has 72 receptions on 115 targets, 1,060 yards. The fact that John Brown is a thousand yard receiver, like <laughs> in 2022 seems crazy. Yeah. Uh, Cole Beasley was wide receiver two, 67 receptions on 106 targets. Still pretty close. Only 778 yards. Then he had running back Devin Singletary, who only had 29 receptions. Tight end Dawson Knox had uh, 28 receptions and Dawson Knox had a good 2021 season, but this is his two years before he was any kind of a, a household name at all. He was only 23 years old at the point, not a very good player yet. Um, And then uh, the next wide receiver that you have, uh, actually I'm basically going to say the only other wide receiver you had was Isaiah McKenzie, 39 targets, 27 receptions, 254 yards. Now that team went 10 and six. They made the playoffs narrowly lost to the Houston Texans um, 22 to 19 in the wild card. And that was a weird game that I really strongly felt that the bills should have won, but you had a young inexperienced quarterback who was still trying to figure himself out. And I don't think the receivers were the problem in that game either, but you know what that they, they got really decent production that year and it wasn't a fantastic offense you know it was not the bills that exploded in 2020 uh josh allen only had uh what 3500 yards no not even he only had uh 3000 yards so it, you know it was not an extremely prolific offense but again a big part of that was that josh allen had not yet broken out and you had a quarterback that everybody had a ton of questions about I think that Aaron Rodgers is going to be able to get by with the cast of characters that we have here. And I'm really not that concerned about it. I know a lot of people are concerned. I think that there is real potential for the offense to get better this year than it was last year. Cause I didn't think the offense in 2021 for the Packers was all that special. It was Especially good, but not outstanding. It, 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 right. Compared to 2020, but they were first in the league in scoring in 2020. There was nowhere to go really, but down. But look, I, I, I think the key to what you say is this. Aaron Rodgers has a history uh, in recent years, especially of locking on to Devonte Adams, focusing on him. It, it, it reminded me of the way Brett Favre was early in his career with Sterling Sharp. The first option was throwing to Sharp if he was open. The second option was throwing to Sharp if he was pretty well covered. And the third option was throwing to Sharp if he was double covered, but still kind of open. <laughs> and then you would look elsewhere for, uh, you know, for other players. And part of that was the inexperience of Favre and, and the outstanding play of Sharp. But the, the point is that Rodgers really locked on to Adams mm-hmm. almost uh, to a fault. Even yeah. though you understand, well, you know, okay, Adams is one of the best, if not the best receivers in the game. Why wouldn't you lock on to him? But the key to me is Rodgers has to be flexible enough to understand that he needs to spread the ball around. And you go back, let's go back to that 96 team. The one thing you have to remember, you had two very good receiving running backs in Edgar Bennett and Dorsey Levins. Both of those guys could catch the football and you had two great receiving tight ends in Chimura and Keith Jackson. Yeah. You don't need your wide receivers or any one wide receiver to blow you away and be off the charts outstanding. But you need guys who can be schemed open, which Matt LaFleur's offense really mm-hmm. likes to do, and guys who will give you options. And then you need your quarterback to be willing to look for those options. Even go back and look at the numbers from 2010. There was no one receiver in 2010 who was the the dominant, dominant guy to the exclusion of everybody else. You had Donald Driver. You had James Jones. You had Jordy Nelson, who was just starting by the end of that 2010 season to become a factor. Um, The idea of spreading the ball around, scheming people open, going to whoever's open, whoever has the favorable matchup on a given play, 
if Aaron Rodgers can go back to that kind of play, this group has more than enough diverse talents in it. And I would include tight ends and running backs when I say this group to create enough offense for this team to win a lot of football games. Yeah, I think it's well said. And I think that, uh, you know, the only thing that I would add is that although you really like the uh, guys you have at running back, I, I do have significant questions about what they can get from their tight ends. And the answer is going to be guys stepping up, whether that's Tyler Davis, whether that's Josiah DeGuara, whether that's maybe the, maybe Tunyon is able to return at some point this year. You need right. guys to step up and be better than they were last year uh, to, to get plus production from the tight end room. Uh, let's move on and talk about Romeo Dobbs. Earlier in the year, I was on the record on this podcast saying that I thought that Dobbs could have a bigger impact in year one than Christian Watson. I think I want to recant that. I'm, I I think I'm becoming a bigger believer in the idea that Christian Watson might be a semi big deal in the offense this year. Now, obviously He's got Sammy Watkins and Alan Lazard in front of him at the uh, X and Z receiver positions. Um, Now, Lazard has been used a ton in the slot in recent years. So you could have those three guys on the field at the same time, of course. Um, I think that Lazard maybe is even a little bit more comfortable in the slot than he is out on the boundary. But Mm -hmm. I think that there's a role for Christian Watson to be a more of a possession receiver and stretch the field. And he was getting all the attention in OTAs from Aaron Rodgers. It, it, it was Aaron Rodgers and Christian Watson on one side, and then Jordan Love and Romeo Dobbs on the other side, or Jordan Love and and pick anybody. But it was really Aaron Rodgers working with Christian Watson and Jair Alexander trying to make Christian's life hell. Yep. That's that's what you had um in OTAs. And and to me, I I couldn't look away from that. I just said I think that they're trying to turn this into something. Doesn't mean that it's gonna work, you know, and, and they they may decide before the season begins that like, all right, this was a, a nice idea, but we need to stick with the guys who um have proven what they can do. And and Aaron Rodgers was talking about we got a lot of guys on this roster who have a lot of potential. I, I don't really care about potential. I like results. I, you know, give me the guys who have done it before. Uh, I, I, and I understand where he's coming from on that, but I think that they're trying to make Christian Watson a thing. And Romeo Dobbs right now seems a little bit kind of more where I would have expected any rookie wide receiver to be fitting in, in practice right now. Just like, Hey, let's, let's kind of, you know, figure out where the bathrooms are. Uh, here's your playbook. Start learning it, um, and and then uh, go make sure that you're on time for your special team drills. Like that's that's kind of more what they seem to be doing with Romeo Dobbs right now, and they're not cre- treating Christian Watson that way at all. They're treating Christian Watson kind of like they did last year with Eric Stokes, where it was, you know what, we really might need you this year, so let's put all of our time and effort and attention into turning you into a guy who can be a player week one because we don't know how soon we're going to need you but you need to be ready when your number is called yeah i i think that's true and you know i think when 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 i look at it and i think about where uh christian watson is coming from north dakota state run heavy offense limited uh pass route tree mm-hmm Making a very big jump, making a very big jump. To me, I could see him being uh, sort of like MVS was early in his career. He's going to do, he's going to run two or three patterns. One of them or two of them may be deep balls that he's going to be, you know, this is your pattern. You're going to stretch the field. If you're open, you may get the ball. Otherwise, you're going to stretch the field and open things up for other guys. And then as he acclimates himself to the offense, as 
Rodgers gets more comfortable with him, hopefully by November, December, you know, he may take over a starting position or he just may be much more involved in the offense and carve out a bigger role. But I, I sort of look at, you know, all the hype and all the projection and, and I, mm-hmm. that's what I sort of envision in his rookie season. I could see him catching 35 passes, but maybe 25 of them come in the last eight games. Ah, yeah, no, that, that makes perfect sense that it takes a while for him to catch on, but then maybe he really catches on toward the end of the year. Right. That, that would be interesting. So we've talked about six receivers, Randall Cobb, Alan Lazard, Sammy Watkins, Amari Rogers, Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs. There's a few other guys who uh, you would really like to keep on the roster in Malik Taylor, Jawan Winfrey, Samori Toure. Um, but we're at six, and the Packers usually keep five wide receivers. So do I think they're going to keep six this year? I do. I'm really starting to question whether they would keep seven, though. Uh, the last time the Packers kept seven was 2018 with Mike McCarthy. He also kept um, seven in 2016. But other than that, it's pretty much always five or six. Now, of course, you don't have Devonte Adams here this year. And so that's an extra reason to keep more bodies. Right. But I, I'll, I'll just say... I don't envy Malik Taylor and Jawan Winfrey trying to get a a probably non-existent seventh wide receiver spot over Samori Toure, who was drafted this year. Granted, it was the seventh round, but still, he's a draft pick. You're not. Um, I just I, I don't know that Malik Taylor and Jawan Winfrey have any shot at making the 53 this year, barring injury. Well, uh, injury and, and, is definitely... And, and, and that, that final wide receiver spot is usually, by the way, a special team spot is what it really is. That's what I was going to get to. That That's what I was going to get to. You have two things. Injuries, which if you look at Randall Cobb's history, Sammy Watkins' history, you know, these are guys who have a, you know, a, a difficulty staying on the field for 16, now 17 games. And then the other thing is special teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think... That if we see a seventh receiver, and I, I'm still not sure that we will, but if we see a seventh receiver, I think the last two or three spots on this roster this year will be picked by Rich Bisaccia, or that he'll have a lot of influence oh, yeah. on yeah. those picks. And therefore, if a Malik Taylor uh, or a Jawan Winfrey shows their value on special teams, and shines on special teams, there's their best chance perhaps to be on that 53-man roster. Uh, And, you know, maybe technically it'll look like, okay, we're keeping seven receivers this year, but it's really six receivers and a special teams guy who can also play receiver. Gil, barring injury or, or, you know, just don't don't factor it in a ton. Who would you say will lead the Packers in receptions this year. Is there is there anybody else besides Lazard that makes sense to make an argument for? Uh, Lazard is definitely my first, you know, he's the favorite in my mind. I, I, I think he is the most likely guy to lead the team. Uh, and if I had to go second, it'd probably be Watkins. How about you? Watkins, Sammy Watkins, uh, second. That, that's, yeah. that's where I have him as well. So we're in agreement about the top two. I suspect we do not agree on who will be third in receptions on the team this year. Among receivers wide, or overall? No, no, just only wide receivers. So we're not talking okay. running backs. We're not talking okay. tight ends, just only receivers. Part of why I suspect it is because we were texting about our our thoughts on this week's topic and you said you 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 kind of threw out there who you thought um was going to be a big contributor and i i really didn't agree with it and 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 so we got to have our debate here on the podcast <laughs> have this out grab the boxing gloves <laughs> who do you have as your wide receiver three randall cobb i knew it 
I knew it. You old fart making a case for the old wide receiver. I knew you were going to do this. He's not that old. What is he, 32, 31? I mean, I'm going with the flashy, young, sexy Christian Watson. I'm telling you, man, I Christian Watson to me. I I think that he is uh, really going to come along here. I think that the physical attributes that he has and the amount of attention of one-on-one attention that Aaron Rodgers and Jair Alexander were giving to Watson in OTA speaks volumes to me. And I think that they would like to see him, uh, you know, up near uh wide receiver too. Honestly, I think is, is, is their goal for him in terms, you know, and, and he does have drops issues, but it, it seems like he is, um, getting some really good coaching right now, uh, you know, working on his hands, working on improving his route tree. Seems like he's really coming along. I, I'm I'm starting to become a Christian Watson believer, not just for the future, but even for this year. I think that he might actually have a role here, a significant role. I will stick with what I said earlier. I think he'll have about 35 catches, but 25 of them will come in the last eight games. And his role will increase as the season goes on. But I, I still am skeptical because of the big jump he has to make, his lack of experience. And as much as Aaron Rodgers is going to try to make him and, and Jair Alexander, they're going to try to make him as good as possible. Remember what Aaron Rodgers said. He'll take production over potential. And right now there's a lot more potential than production from Christian Watson. I think he'll turn that around soon. I think we'll start to see the production before the season is over and maybe come playoff time. He he is second on the team among wide receivers and catches. But I, I think when we start the season out, if you look at the whole 17 games, again, we're not factoring injuries into this. I, I, I think Cobb has more catches than mm. Watson does if everybody stays healthy. So I'm trying to look at uh, at where these uh, receptions are going to go because last year there were 402 total receptions. Uh, if, you know, if you want to make a comparison to 2019, which I think is a very apt comparison, just in terms of the way they really spread the ball around in 2019. The offense wasn't great in 2019, but it was good enough. Mm-hmm. They had 356 total receptions in uh, 2019. You have to remember, of course, also extra game in right. – in 2021. Uh, but if you're, if you're looking at the numbers, I think uh, Aaron Jones, I think is still going to have the second most receptions on the team. I think Al Lazard. So he's had uh, two years where he had 35 receptions last year. It was a career high 40 receptions. I think he's going to crack 70 for sure this year. Wow. Barring, barring aliens, barring, uh, injury and all that stuff. I think he's going to crack 70. And I think that realistically he should crack 80. That's, that's where I think his goal should be. And then I think Aaron Jones is going to have around 50. When I look at um, uh, Packers receiving leaders over the years, the number two uh leader in receptions every year usually is not a wide receiver. It was in 2010 because he had Donald driver there, but usually it's a running back or it's a tight end. And and more Mm -hmm. often than not, it's a running back. I think it's going to be Aaron Jones again. I think he'll have around 50. Maybe you push that up a little bit just because of the trust factor, call it 55. So let's say uh, Al Lazard has, uh, let's call it 78 receptions. Aaron Jones has 55. All right. I'm saying the uh, the number three guy there, you're looking at about 40 to 45 receptions for whoever is third, whether that's a tight end, whether that's Sammy Watkins, whether it's uh, Christian Watson or Randall Cobb. I think that your number three guy is going to have around 45 receptions. And I think uh, Sammy Watkins, it'd be nice if that's him. It's a little bit high compared to what he's done the last couple of years. And so I'm wondering if maybe uh, like three through five um, kind of, kind of is a little bit more um, equal to each other. See, I think your total for Lazard is a little too high. 
I think he ends up with something around 60 to 65 catches for the year. I think that 55 to 60 goes to Jones. And then the next two guys will be somewhere in the mid to upper 40s. I think it's a lot more spread around this Mm. year than it has been in recent years. And I think that'll be a good thing over the course of the season. Now, again, we're still saying everybody stays healthy for 17 games, which is, of course, unlikely. But you're, you're, you're thinking about 40 to four, are you saying 45 receptions for the third leader in receptions yeah. number three? Yeah. So if that's Sammy Watkins, he hasn't done that since 2019. Well, he that's not 30, that long ago. <laughs> no, but he had 37 in 2020 when he had Mahomes throw into him and he was the number two receiver on that team. Right. He had, well, uh, he 20- was the number two wide receiver on that team. Right. You, you also had a running back who could catch the ball on one of the best receiving tight ends in football on that team. Yep. Valid. Valid. Um, 27 receptions last year for him in Baltimore. Of course, the number one receiver on that team was Mark Andrews, tight end. Right. But um, so you're 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 asking him to get uh, and, you know, and, and he only played uh, 10 and 13 games in the last uh, two years. So. You know, we're thinking, you know, maybe he can stay healthy for the full season and rack up an additional 10 catches in, uh, f- call it four extra games. Yeah. I mean, I, look, I if you go that. back to the, if you go back to the 2020 season, and I'm going to use that because he played 10 games and it's a nice round number. And he also had Patrick Mahomes throwing him the football. So that's 3.7 catches per game on average. So if you prorate that over 17 games, uh, 3.7 times 17, that's 63 catches, which is mm-hmm. higher, way higher than... Much higher, yeah. Yeah. So I'm saying if he, he gets 45 catches, okay, that's not, right. you know, that's within his productivity uh, level. Okay. So, so Sammy Watkins, wide receiver two, uh, receiver three. Uh, and then, you know, I am curious where A.J. Dillon ends up. So last year, he had almost as many receptions as Alan Lazard did, uh, right. targeted way fewer times. He had a really high catch rate. He was targeted 37 times, hauled in 34, though, so only three incompletions. Yeah, Obviously, I don't think he'll running- match that, but. Uh, I mean, I mean, with with a running back, you definitely have a, a much higher catch rate. I mean, uh, Aaron Jones had an 80% catch rate, which was actually high. Um, uh no, I was looking at Randall Cobb. Uh, Aaron Jones had an eighty percent catch rate, sixty-five targets, fifty-two receptions. That's still really good. I'm wondering if AJ Dillon, so he's at thirty-four receptions last year. Maybe that is closer to forty-five for him as well. Right. That eats up some of your catches. But if you're talking about after the two running backs, after Lazard and Watkins. You think that Randall Cobb is going to have like 45 receptions? Uh, Probably 35 to 40, let's say. He had 28 last year in 12 games. So if he played 17 games, you're saying 35? Yeah, 35 to 40. And again, remember, no Devontae Adams, who's getting most of the targets. So Right. Okay. So, um, so let's talk about MVS. Because Christian Watson, you're really, you're really hoping is is uh sammy watkins 2.0 what mvs 2.0 yeah yeah right um so so mvs played 11 games he had 26 receptions so that's uh what 2.36 receptions per game times 17 games 40 receptions he was he he was on pace for 40 receptions had he played all 17 games Mm -hmm. can christian watson catch 2.3 2.3 passes per game. I say yes. And I think that, you know, if I'm saying 40 catches for Watson, you're saying 35, I think, for Randall. That sounds about right to me. You have a Watson just a hair ahead of Randall in terms of receptions. Yeah, we're, we're both kind of in the same ballpark. And again, who's healthy is going to depend a lot on how this one works itself out. DeGuara will be interesting as well because so this is his third year and year three is really when you expect your, your tight ends to break out first two years for a tight end. I, I would almost just, uh, you know, just say 
whatever they do is whatever. I, I don't have expe- expectations from tight ends in their first two years. Year three, though, I, I think this is go time. DeGuara had uh, 25 receptions on 33 targets last year. I'd like to see those go up. You know, Maybe he's not at 40, but I think 35 is super doable. Um, and he played basically the entire year. He only missed one game. I think uh, I think DeGuara may be in line for a bigger um, chunk of uh, Mercedes Lewis's targets. I'd like to see Mercedes targets go down. I I just at his age, can we not run him into the ground, please? <laughs> That's what I'm asking. Can we can we not run Mercedes into the ground? Yeah, I, I think his targets will go down, but he'll still block as often. And and mo- let's face it, most of his targets are my first option isn't open. My second option isn't open. Yes. Oh, there's Mercedes yes. two yards down the field. I'll throw him the ball. I know he'll catch it. Uh, and then he'll ramble for five yards and it'll be second and three instead of second and 10. All right. Last point before we wrap up, let's let's uh, just run through the, the list here. Al Nazard, Sammy Watkins, Randall Cobb. Um, any doubt in your mind that all three of those make the team? No. Uh, assuming they're all healthy, no. Well, I, the reason I ask is because there is a large segment of folks out there who don't think Sammy Watkins is making the team. I have never been able to wrap my head around that one. I, and I think a lot of it comes from the fact that Devin Funches didn't make the team last year. I think that's right. where it's coming from. But there, I mean, that, that is a popular belief out there. Yeah, I I think it's sort of mistaken logic. I understand why they're putting, you know, two and two together, but I don't think it really adds up when you get to the bottom line. The only way in my mind that Watkins doesn't make the team is if either he is hurt, he Mm -hmm. uh, really doesn't show a lot in training camp. And when I say doesn't show a lot, he would have to show not just poor performance, but probably poor attitude as well. Yeah, and I don't yeah. think that's going to be the case. And then the third factor is that Watson has to have like this unbelievably strong training camp where you're like, okay, this kid's ready to go now. And therefore we don't need Watkins at all. And I don't think all of those things are going to happen. And, and you're saving pennies by cutting Wat- Watkins. I mean, he's, he's so cheap. Yeah. You're so- saving pennies. It's, he's on a one-year deal. It's not like, uh, yeah, no. So those three are making the roster. Uh, Christian Watson, obviously making the roster. It's stupid to ask about that. Romeo Dobbs, again, stupid to question whether your fourth round pick is going to be on the on the team. He's going to be on the team. Amari Rogers, uh, percentage chance he makes the team. Is it 100% or is it less than 100%? It's less, but not a lot less. I'd say 95% that he makes the team. What do you think? Yeah, I'll, I'll say 97 Okay. And then, so we're right there. We're at uh, six wide receivers. Do we think that there is a seventh? And if there is a seventh, here's, here's the possible players on the roster right now to choose from. Uh, Malik Taylor, Samori Toure, Jawan Winfrey, and Danny Davis. Of those four, which one do you think is the most likely to make the roster? And do you think any of them do make the roster? And special uh, a practice squad does not count. I'm talking the 53. Yeah, I think one of them will make the roster, and it will be because of special teams. That's uh, I, I think we will carry a seventh receiver, uh, okay. and it'll be that player's role will mostly, if not exclusively, be on special teams. All right, what do you and, think? and your and your player is who? Um, Malik Taylor, Malik Taylor, Samari Toure, Juwan Winfrey, or Danny Davis. I go with Malik Taylor, and I think uh, Toure is on the practice squad. I can't disagree with anything you you answered. Basically, what I would answer. I think I think uh, Toure is intriguing. I, I know everybody loves Juwan Winfrey, but I, they're not keeping eight receivers. No, and um. And uh, I, I I just don't know that that Toure can beat Malik Taylor out for special teams. If it's if this is just about being a wide receiver, I think it's Toure. But again, that wide receiver seven is not a wide receiver. It's a special teamer who is a uh, backup relief, uh, break glass in case of emergency wide receiver. Mm-hmm. And and uh, so you're you're playing to all of Malik Taylor's strengths instead of. Um, 
instead of Drew Ray. So I, I think that's where I'm at as well. I think uh, Malik Taylor does make the roster. But it'll be interesting to see if they keep six or seven. I, I I don't think there's any chance they keep five. There's just way too much uncertainty for them to keep five, even though even though they frequently do keep five. Uh, but uh, but but six six maybe is slightly more likely to me than seven. But I absolutely can buy the idea that it's seven. So uh, that does it for us today. Uh, we'll be right back here next week. Uh, check us out online at uh, PackersTalk.com. Follow us on Twitter at Gil Packers and at JJ Leahy to stay up to date on all things Packers or to ask us questions. You can email us at AskGilHuddle at gmail.com. Make sure you're subscribed to Packers Talk on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Big thanks to PackersTalk.com for powering our show, and thank you for listening. Until next time, Go Pack Go! Go Pack Go! You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. Packers Talk. Not